Uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and we're reading from the verse 1, or verse 5, rather. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and the verse 5. There was in the days of Herod. Now, there were six Herods. This was the first of them. He was the father of them all. Herod the Great, the world calls him. But the Scriptures don't call him that. But the Scripture does call a woman you know great. Do you remember the Shunammite woman? She was a great woman. There's a big difference in the, the Shunammite woman and the king of Judea, king of Herod. He was a wicked. He was an evil. Uh, his wickedness, the scripture says, knew no bounds. He poisoned and killed a number of his wives. He slew uh, his son from his deathbed. And the saying was that they'd rather be Herod's hog than Herod's son. And he was the father of them all, and as they came on down the line into the Acts of the Apostles, you will find that they were all wicked people. So this was Herod the Great. He reigned for 36 years and he died when our Lord Jesus was about four years of age. So get this Herod into your mind as we read this passage tonight. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. It was a family now, way up on the hills. They were from the hill country. Uh, their houses were made of stone. The, the wee villages dotted here and there with stone and poor peasant people. But there lived up there in those hills people, and among them was Zechariah and Elizabeth. Verse 6 says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. When the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit puts in words, he doesn't put them in for the sake of filling up a place. He puts them in for us to ponder and to think about them. Can you think of this now, in these days of Herod, of this family? And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years, uh, probably 80s, maybe 90s, well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he... Zacharias executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense 
when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of increase. Let me stop there a wee moment and say to you that there were about seven remnant who stood in these wicked days. And every one of them is connected with prayer. And praying was one, what you're going to see tonight and what we're going to do later, praying is something that blesses the heart of God and brings victory to God's people. Now watch it twice here, you'll get it. And the whole multitude in verse 10 of the people were praying without, that's outside the temple, at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great. There's, there's God's great man. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, or Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And we know the Lord will bless to us the public reading of his word. Let us, let us pray for a moment. Father, we bow now and we say amen to the prayers of our brother Stephen. And we come before thee, Lord, with the word of God open before us, we need to be fed from thy word, Lord. We, the world can live by bread alone, but we cannot. We need, Lord, uh, the manna from heaven into our souls to strengthen us and to help us and to lead us and to guide us even tonight. And so we pray that, Lord, that from these scriptures that thou will reveal to us the things that we need to know and then that we might go and do them. For we ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen. I have always been enthralled, fascinated and enamored by men and women from different walks of life who were courageous, heroic, and brave. They've always fascinated me, even from a boy. 
And I was thinking the other day that that's probably started way back in the early days in West Fermanagh. Being born nine months after the Second World War, my young days were spent in association with many, many soldiers who returned from the both wars. A number of them around our country were in both wars. Indeed, some were employed with by my father. And then my uncle, who was in Dunkirk and later one of the desert so-called rats with Montgomery, he told us stories about heroes and things that happened. And as a young boy, I would have imbibed that as we went round the milk run. There were a number of men on the milk run who, were, who had returned a year or so from the Second War. And I was constantly listening to stories and hearing about gallantry and men and great things that they had done. I was told about a man the name of Lieutenant Colonel Blair Mayen from Newton Arge, who was an international rugby player and solicitor, who was the co-founder of the SAS, and some of the great exploits that, that, he, that, he, that he done. And those things etched themselves on my mind and on my member, my memory. They told of Blair Mayne that he single-handedly uh, went to take out Rommel, the second in command of, uh, in, German, in the German forces. And only Rommel was away from the place that he was. He was sick. He would have... The Utenars man and Hitler put a, put a bounty on it, named him personally, that he was to be killed and taken dead or alive. You know, I often stand under his statue there in Newton Ards, at the top of the square in Newton Ards. There's a statue there of Lieutenant Colonel Blair Main. And I remember standing under it one day and thinking to myself, here's a man that Hitler had named because he was doing a damage, an awful damage to his people. They say that the undercover SAS men took out more aircraft of the Germans than the RAF did. And I thought to myself, one day, I wonder, am I a target for the devil? I wonder how many of God's people are on the devil's hit list. I wonder how many churches and God's people are doing damage to the kingdom of the devil that he wants them out. And, I, and my mind turned it to that chapter in Acts wherever the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast out the demons out of one man and they couldn't do it. In fact, the man beat them up and stripped them and they ran and they fled. You see, everybody that's casting out demons and everybody that's in the Lord's work are not heroes and they're not victors and they're not able to do much, some of them. And they'll be defeated. And I often wonder to myself, where are these, where are these heroes? of today in the kingdom of the Lord. And then, and you'll see a minute why I'm saying this tonight, I, I worked with a man, a Catholic man, and he lost an arm and a leg and an eye in a booby trap explosion. 
He was my boss for a while. He went up to the very highest ranks of the police force and died with cancer, a young man. He refused to go off the police. He refused to take a big bounty. And they kept him on. And he was a man of courage, a, a hero. And all sorts of things were said about him. I can't mention his name tonight. But I can tell you he saved a lot of lives. And then I worked with a man who one day lifted a bomb from the door of a school, a primary school, a bomb ticking. And he carried it and he, he ran and he put it and he was putting it over the wall. It exploded. And I was always fascinated with men of courage, heroes, men who, who, who would have given their life for others. You know, sometimes we have the wrong view. And I'm coming into what I'm saying tonight. Sometimes we have a tainted and a limited view of what courage and what the heroism and bravado is. For every public hero, let me tell you, there are hundreds of unsung heroes. Do you ever think of that? Do you ever think of the wives and the families that were behind those people and in the troubles and others? Many unsung heroes that nobody knows anything about. Courage and bravery doesn't come in the battlefields always. It doesn't come in the, on the, in the, it doesn't come in the air or shipwreck disasters. It comes sometimes in the homes, in the workplaces, in the schools, in the factories, in the hospitals. Someone said that the definition for courage is someone who cares not for themselves on behalf of others. A mother who gives the bit out of her mouth for her child. Parents who battle every day to bring up disabled and uh, autistic children, like we have heard the tribute yesterday to Albert and Deborah. 22 years. Those who fight courageously and stand against all sorts of things in life. Those who fight cancers and coronaries and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Women, women who stick by husbands who are unfaithful. Young people at school and university who will not laugh at an impure joke or keep quiet when the Savior's name has been taken in vain or they say no to the raffle or to the lottery or to the party and and take their stand against abortion and sodomy and transgenderism. None it goes, none it goes. And right through the scripture you have them too. You don't only have them in David's mighty men, and you don't only have them in Hebrews at chapter 11, you have them right through the scriptures. Unknown, almost unnamed people who were heroes for God. We have two here tonight. We're going to look at these two tonight. Out of the seven that were a remnant that were resolved to stand in these days, these people were praying for a son. Would you have wanted a son in these days? 
Would you, would you have wanted a son in the days of Herod? Here we have two people tonight. They're unsung heroes as far as I'm concerned, and so are the rest of them, which we will not have time to deal with in these Thursday nights, but we will go online and finish them. But we have two here tonight. A man and his wife who stood heroically and valiantly in the days worse and far, far worse than the troubles in Northern Ireland. Days far, far worse than the Blitzkrieg or the Gestapo or Hitler or any of the rest of them. Days, my friend, of real darkness and evil and wickedness. As we family stood, we out in the hills of Judea, and their name was Zechariah and Elizabeth. I want to expound some of these verses tonight that you and I might see some of the compatible comparisons between these days and the days in which we are in, because there are plenty of them. And so I want you to get your eyes on verse 1, or verse 5 of what we've been reading. Just you look at verse 5. And when you're looking at verse 5, that first verse we read, naming these pair, I want to say this. Great is the faithfulness of God. Do you know what the psalmist says about the faithfulness of God? It says it goes up into the clouds and it goes across to every generation. And so you and I here tonight can say, thank God that great is his faithfulness unto us. Can't you say that tonight? You see, the name Zacharias is God will remember thee. And the name of Elizabeth was, I have made a covenant and an oath with thee. Now this is the eternal God speaking to your peasant man and wife away out in the hill country of Judea in the days of Herod, king of Judea. And he says, way back in eternity past, they were named by God. And God says, your name, Zacharias, will be, God will remember thee, and Elizabeth, I, will have me, I have made a covenant with thee. God that cannot lie, cannot lie. And what he is actually saying to the pair of them here is what he's saying to you and I tonight, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. You hear that now? I will never forget my child. And whatever your storm and trial and trouble may be tonight, remember that God loves you. God remembers you. And God has a covenant oath with you, made in the blood of Christ. I tell you. That's something to ponder tonight. Can a woman forget her sucking child and not have compassion on the sum of her womb? Yes. But I will not forget thee. Now get this into your mind. 400 years have passed since it said in Malachi, there were 400 silent years between Malachi and Luke. There was no prophet, there was no priest, there was no preacher. Intertestamental period it's called. There was not a sound from heaven. 
Heaven was shut up and everything was sent. 400 years. You think we're bad? And way back in Malachi, before the 400 years set in, God says this, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek. Now, these pair are seeking God. He says, the Lord whom ye seek. And he's talking to you tonight. He says, the Lord whom ye seek. And this is way back in Malachi, 400 years before we're reading here. The Lord whom ye seek will suddenly come to his temple. And he did. He was in the temple offering up the sacrifices. And at the right hand, the angel Gabriel opened heaven and came. The first sound, first move from heaven in 400 years. See, he keeps his promise. He keeps his promise. The promise that he gives them, he performed it. In his time. In his way. The Lord whom ye seek will suddenly come to your temple. He has come. Hallelujah. He has come to a peasant man and woman from away the hill country in the days of Herod. God opened heaven and come and kept his word. He says, I am the Lord. He goes on there. He says, I am the Lord. I change not. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he's going to rebuke him again for our sake. Some of these days, he's going to suddenly come. Maybe up at the tent. Of course, some of you don't believe that. And many don't believe it for they're not out here tonight to pray. God will keep his promise. His promise here has come. His promise to this family, read John the Baptist, who's coming, the Elijah that's coming, the promise has come, it is given, he's coming, the child will be born. You know, this couple were steeped in the Old Testament scriptures. Fearlessly and faithfully, they clung to these verses in Malachi. And not only that, my friend, but the 400 other promises through the Word of God that the Messiah would come. They would have known every one of them, and they were waiting. Are you waiting tonight and expecting tonight from the Word of God? I tell you, nothing was going to shake them from the promises that God had given them. Now look at verse 6. You see the faithfulness of God. And then we see righteousness here. And they were both righteous before God. What a happy couple they must have been. The both of them were on the same spiritual wavelength. One wasn't spiritual and the other carnal, what has happened in many homes. Many spiritual women and very carnal men that wouldn't even come out to a prayer meeting. They would have no interest in going out and from the Lord's table, not a bit as carnal as the devil. But these pair here, it says, the Holy Ghost says that they were, they were both, both righteous. 
walking, listen, watch what it says now, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the law of Moses. There were a remnant, and a very small remnant, for many had capitulated and many had gone back. The waiting time, you see, my friend, waiting will drive people back. We had this place full here when COVID was on. <laughs> they were jammed at the door and everywhere else. And they came, and when the prayer meeting started, oh, everybody was praying for this move and the Spirit of God, but they all began to dwindle away, you see. But those that are sound and still here and faithful, God will honor. He will honor. They'll not come in their time. Just a wee bleep because everything seems to be even well. Where are they now? A lot of them, I wonder. I often wonder where they are. Don't start doing that. Do you think of these pair were living in these days? Now let me ask you. Do you think of these godly couple from the hillside of Judea were living in these days on this side of the cross? Do you believe that they would obey the Lord? Do you think that they would obey the Great Commission when he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son of the Holy Ghost. Do you think that they've been baptized? Well, God says they were righteous and walking in all the ordinances of God, all the Old Testament laws and every commandment and laws that they knew, the whole ten of them. Do you, do you, do you think that they were down into the tank of water which was a command of the Lord? Do you think that they remembered the Lord at the Lord's table? Do you think that they went out like a herd of buffalo like all the rest of them on Sunday morning? No, they wouldn't. you know why? Because they loved the Lord and they loved his word and they wanted to obey him and they walked. And all the commandments. An ordinance of the Lord. Are you walking in all the commandments? And it's not you that need to hear this message. It's those that are not here that need to hear it. I tell you, these people were faithful. On the first day of the week, they would have been obeying the Lord and they would have been doing everything that they could do. Do you think they wouldn't have been in the prayer meeting? Of course they would have been in the prayer meeting. Do you think that if COVID would have come, that they'd have shut the temple up, do you? Do you think that'll stop the prayer meetings? No, Herod couldn't stop them. Let me say we straighten out a wee thing here about righteousness because it says they were righteous before God. You know, the moment a man or woman gets saved and comes to the Lord and asks the Lord into the heart and they're truly and genuinely saved by faith, Paul tells us that the righteousness of Christ is imputed, it's given unto them. And they become robed that moment in the righteousness of Christ. Romans 10 says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the righteousness that comes from Christ when a man or a common gets saved. They're right before God. Uh, but that comes because of the atonement and redemption and the cross and the blood. 
That's nothing to do with us. That's everything to do with Christ and what he has done for us. That's why we're righteous in him. Hi, but that's righteous before God, but there's a righteousness before man because it says here they were blameless, not sinless, blameless before man. You see, you can be made righteous before God and you can live like the devil. Because the word of God tells me that we must follow on after righteousness, holiness, and godliness. We must follow on after it. We must pursue it every day of our life against the world, the flesh, and the devil to contain our righteousness, not to keep our salvation. That's already secured in the blood of Christ. But let me tell you that if we are going to be blameless and harmless in the sons of God in a crooked and perverse nation, as Paul says, I tell you this, we'll need to live holy lives. We need to pursue righteousness. Righteousness. You know, righteousness just simply means to be right before God. Blameless, righteous. Before God, before God, they were righteous. Before men, they were blameless. This couple had, had some testimony. Yes, that word blameless means before the world, before men, they were righteous. They were holy people. There were people who, who lived for God. Faithfulness and righteousness. Do you think that they paid the temple tax? Do you think that there was one man or one woman could point their finger at, at that wee family and say, you done this and you done that and you done the other? God says they didn't. God said that both of them were righteous. They were both righteous before God. See that before God? That's in the presence of God. That's what that means. When they come into the presence of God, there was nothing between them and God. That's why they could stay in the presence of God. There was nothing between them and God. We're fiddling income taxes or VAT returns, twisting and tinkering at tags on cattle, <laughs> not a bit of them. Before God and before man, in an evil and wicked day, they could hold their proud up, their heads up, and say, "Lord, I don't know of anything." Between me and thee. Do you say that? So you have the faithfulness and you have the righteousness. And then in verse 7 you have the barrenness. Look at them. They, they had no child. Because as Elizabeth was barren and they were both well now stricken in years. There wasn't a hope naturally of having a child now. Years had come. Maybe 30 years had gone by. 
Do you know that a closed womb was a curse on the Hebrew wife? Do you know that it was a sin and a shame and a judgment and a reproach? Rachel even wanted to die if she, could, if she wasn't going to have a child. The deepest desire of every Hebrew woman was to be the mother of the Messiah. They wanted children. Now they want to kill the children. I hope you don't be voting for any of them tomorrow. They're going to kill the children. Now they want to kill them. It appears that there were at least and maybe more than 30 years beyond naturally fathering a child, but they were still praying. Hallelujah. Everything was barren and dark and impossible physically and nationally. And every hour it seemed to be in these days that every hour was getting worse. But they kept on praying. Because look at verse 13. The angel said unto him, The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Is heard. So they were still praying. And we know what the answer was. And we know what they were praying. They were praying for many things. They had as priests to pray for a number of things. But thy prayer is heard. They were still praying. Even in the barrenness. When you come into this wee room tonight, let me say, see you mothers that have sons not saved, daughters not saved, keep your mouths not closed, will you please? Oh, they're barren. There's not a hope. Good. Things are getting worse with them. Good. I'm praying and I'm crying. How long are you praying and crying? Just like that, he can come and save them, you know. There shouldn't be one gap in this prayer meeting tonight if it's only a mother saying, Lord, save my boys. Lord, thank you for saving me. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Not into a big long parole of stuff that boys are praying. Listen, we're not here tonight to pray for the election tomorrow. Do you hear that? We're not here to pray whether Sinn Féin or DUP or anyone else gets in. Away with it. We're here tonight to pray that we have started this work started in prayer and it's going to go on in prayer. We're here tonight to pray and to praise and to cry for our children and cry for our land for a move of God the Holy Ghost and whoever's in authority we have to obey them. That's just off the cuff. Things may be dark with that child, that son, that daughter. There seems to be no hope. It seems to be getting worse. They're from the drugs, from the drugs, and they're onto the drink, and they're at the pornography, and they're every cursed thing that you can think of. Praise the Lord! You pray on. 
Abram didn't give up for Sarah and they had an Isaac. Manoah didn't give up and they had a Samson. These, these, these were people born barren, barrenness. There wasn't a hope physically. Manoah didn't give up when there was a Samson. Hannah didn't give up when there was a Samuel. Sarah didn't give up when there came an Isaac. Elizabeth didn't give up when there came a John the Baptist. Let me tell you, Day and Jennifer Riddle didn't give up when there was a Stephen. And Billy Neal and Ruth Neal didn't give up when their whole family were saved. And I look at you tonight and you have children saved and mothers saved and fathers saved and you have prayed for them. Maybe you didn't think it had anything to do with your prayers, but God heard your prayers. I tell you, Pat's here tonight and I'm here tonight because an old uncle prayed. And when I started to go to the chapel with Pat, my old uncle on a bag of straw prayed whole days, wet days, on the farm prayed whole days. They kept me in a school one, one day. Well, they kept me in most days, but they kept me in this day at five o'clock on the eve, four o'clock on the evening on the winter's day. In the intermediate school there, the, this side of Enniskill, put me out in the dark, no taxis. I wasn't waving out, as I see children waving out now at the back of the taxi like the Queen Mother. There was no taxis. They sent me out home. I walked through the town of Enniskill in the dark, out past Pretoria Royal School, and out there about a half a mile walking to go ten mile. And this car pulled in. Who was it? Only the old uncle. He didn't know I was there. I didn't know he was coming. And he got me into the car, and he did a wee C35, remember well, there was a big long gear stick, and he pulled her down into fourth gear, and as soon as he pulled her into fourth gear, he started to pray, God help me, I'd rather walk. <laughs> and he prayed the whole ten mile. I can remember what he prayed. I remember him praying. He said, Lord, see you, Bertie. Make him a man of God. Old farmer with a hat on him. Keep you praying. Keep on seeking the Lord. It'll come. It may be barren, it may be dark, it may be black. Listen to Psalm 107. Our once fruitful land has turned into barrenness and wickedness dwells therein. And we're in the dark day in our land. Sodomite and transgenderism and abortionists. I just heard, I think it was yesterday, that six-year-olds are coming forward in droves, six-year-olds, to have their sex changed in droves in England. And they're facilitating them every way they can. It's dark. But let us encourage ourselves tonight as we go into prayer. Let us lift our hearts tonight as we go into prayer. 
Let us do what Isaiah says in the, in the 64th, the, the 54th chapter. Sing, O barren, or 55, whichever. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing, cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. Enlarge the place of your tent. And then it says this, And thou shalt have joy and gladness. And that's what it says here. And many shall rejoice at his birth. I tell you, we're going to rejoice in birth. You hear that, Adrian? We're going to rejoice in birth. We're going to rejoice in birth at the tent. Suddenly. Suddenly, launch out into the deep. Let down your net for a draft. For there's going to be shoals of souls soon. Lastly, there's the faithfulness, the righteousness, the barrenness. But there's the steadfastness. Look at verse 8. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office. Do you know this was once in a lifetime job for a priest? You only got one crack at this. There's 20,000 priests. And there's lots drawn who'd go in. Would you say it happened to be that the lot was drawn, that he went in at this time, at this period, at this moment? Well, if you're thinking like that, you're very unspiritual. The lot was drawn for Zechariah to win. God's in charge of everything. Everything. Not some things, everything. And the lot was drawn for for this man to go in once in a lifetime. Listen, he got one crack at it. And he did it well. You're only going to get one crack at this now. You only get one crack a day, and you know that, of course. And you need to die well. You can't replay that. We're only going to get maybe one crack at this tent mission. One crack. Maybe tonight. One crack. We'd never be in a prayer meeting again. And I think some people will be sorry. I'm sorry I never prayed for my family. He went in and executed, executed his office as priest. Meticulously. His job was to light the lamps and fill the laver and arrange the showbread and 
sprinkle the blood and say the prayers. That was his privilege. And he did it well, and he was just getting... Someone prayed the other night in the prayer meeting, Lord, just help us to go on doing what we're doing. That's right, that's what he was doing. He was doing what he was doing. He hadn't a clue that the 400 years was going to end. He hadn't a clue. Just, just going and doing his duty. What a good job he was there, wasn't it? But I wasn't here on Sunday, and I must have been here on Sunday. But it would have been a no encouragement to any of you that I've been here. It was bad enough discouragement to the wife without discouraging you. Enough for her to put up with without you putting up with me. Boy, I, 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 I don't want to miss. He can suddenly come to his temple. That's what he did. That's, he said he would. He didn't ask the apostles. Should have hammered them and beat them and put them down in the stocks and stripped them naked, stripped them. You know that. You know the only place that Paul, the only place that Paul said that he was shamefully entreated was at Malik. Was at. Um, and, 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 and him and Silas when they were in the, in the jail in Philippi, he, says, he, said the only, he said they were shamefully entreated. Do you know why he said that? Because they were stripped. Of course, our Lord Jesus Christ was stripped, bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place. Condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a saviour. He has come suddenly, as he said he would, to his temple. And you'd be better to be there. Because it was to the temple he came. Because the house of God he came. It was where the people gathered together he came. That's where he came in the day of Pentecost too when they were gathered together. What? In prayer. What are they doing here? Pray. What was Anna doing? Praying. What was Simeon doing? Praying. Listen, let me close with this thought and I have much more tonight. But let me close with this thought. After 400 silent years when there wasn't a sound from heaven, here suddenly, now and six months later, twice heaven's opened, once to Zacharias, next to Mary, one with John the Baptist, the next with the Savior. But the first thing, there's two things that broke the silence of 400 years that God said, first it was, fear not. Do you notice that? Secondly, thy prayer is heard. Isn't that ironic? Not your singing. Not your clowning about. Not your partying or your teeing or your barbecuing. Your prayer. 
is heard and fear not. Fear not you tonight. He needs to come to some of you tonight with a wee word into your ear, doesn't he, he, mother? Fear not, mother, for the child will be all right. Fear not. Well, that whisper you had from the devil about your health is a lie from hell. Fear not. I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He must have been fear. Why would he not be fearful? He hadn't seen a thing. Never seen a thing in his life. Well, the general and the father before him and the father before that and the father before that. In the darkest days, Campbell Morgan says, in Israel's history, God came. There's hope for Ireland yet. (laughs) Hope for us yet. Hallelujah. I said to somebody, do you believe revival's coming? I said, well, does it need to come quick if I'm going to see it? Well, I might see it. If I don't, some of you young ones are surely going to see it. It's coming. It's coming. I was going to go on tonight into the, what it meant to be a priest, but he was a priest and we're all priests. We're a chosen priesthood. Pop, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A chosen generation. Let me just close with this we thought as we go to prayer tonight. Let me encourage you tonight. You know the priest's job was threefold. His job was threefold. And our job was threefold. We're priests. Every child born again priest unto God. Chosen. The first thing the priest had to do was to offer the sacrifice. That's the first thing we've got to do. Not blood of bulls and goats and calves of heifers. Romans 12 says, I beseech ye, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind unto that which is the good and perfect. Underline them, good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. We have to offer ourselves. Secondly, we're to offer our gifts. Tangible monetary gifts and we need to bring them into the storehouse because Paul tells us that's acceptable. Sacrifice well-pleasing on to God. And thirdly, the priest offers the sacrifice of praise. 
Hebrews 13, listen. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. He that offereth praise glorifieth God, the fruit of our lips. Tell me, was the fruit of your lips clean today? Were they good today? Were they pure today? Were they critical today? Listen to it again as we close. Let us offer sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. May God help us tonight to give thanks unto the name of him who loved us. Talk about heroes. We have two here, unsung. Two here that stood, never flinched, unswervingly dedicated to the last iota. And as they did, God came. And John the Baptist was born. Didn't last long, but he born. Came from the stone houses, way back in the hills. Yet locusts and wild honey. Do you know, this whole family was filled with the Holy Ghost. His mother was filled with the Holy Ghost. His father was filled with the Holy Ghost. And John was filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? I'm not asking you, you saved. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Have you stayed before God and confessed your sin and kept confessing and said, Lord, there's nothing between thee and me? That's where these people were. God can say about your family and my family that we're righteous and holy. And all the commandments and ordinances of God, nor blameless before men. May God help us to live it out for Him in these last days. Amen.